We're here to shine a light on the forgotten generation. This is the Modern Gen X Woman podcast, and I'm Jackie Gadeen. And I'm Amy Bishop. We're business and career coaches who work with women like you. And we are pissed. You should be too. Because we have not been seen or heard, and that changes now. Listen up, because we're going to share with you insights and ideas to make these years our best years. F you, midlife. From the moment we're born, societal expectations begin to shape our thoughts and beliefs about how we're supposed to show up in the world. As girls, we're taught to be polite, stay quiet, be calm, don't make others feel bad, and don't show off. We're encouraged to suppress our voices, not take up too much space, and keep our ideas to ourselves. This week, Jackie and I are going to uncover the hidden truths around the good girl epidemic, explore how it impacted us as young girls, and how, even today, those beliefs can rear its head in the most inopportune times, holding us back and sometimes keeping us, us, keeping us stuck. Just like Mimi, you just got stuck on your last word. How dare you? Hello, everyone who's out there listening to us. We are excited to have you with us, and we're kicking off the summer this week. This is officially right after summer solstice, this episode. And right, the real summer solstice. The real summer mm-hmm. solstice, and it's happy. It I is happy. It's happy. I love summer too. I I love summer too. It is just always here in the blink of an eye, like mm-hmm. here and gone in the blink of an eye. And so it's so important to really enjoy enjoy the, the and days. we say that, but yet we still have not worked outside except for like one half of the day. Uh, and the right. weather's been beautiful. Well, Jackie's got a really fantastic setup these days, and uh, yeah, yeah. Have a gazebo with an outside television, and she has a big, pool. beautiful in the ground pool. So and nice. I think of all the years, this is probably the fifth summer we've worked together, and I think we've been in that pool once together. Only once? I think so. Wow. All right. We need to change that. Yeah, we do need to so change it. We need a good. waterproof <clears throat> laptop. <laughs> Someone needs to invent that. I love that. Ooh, yeah. Clever, clever. clever. All right. Like a case for your laptop. Yes. That's waterproof. That's okay. Just like they do for the phone. Right. So we're, we're, we want to kick off this episode really kicking it back to you because if you are listening to the intro about the good girl syndrome and you're, you know, you're a Gen X woman, grew up in the 70s or the 60s or even the 80s, right? There's this, way that we had to act that made us have to be a certain way. And it was kind of ingrained in us. So I want you to invite you to take a moment and reflect back on your own experience, your childhood, and the messages that you received about what it meant to be a good girl. And how did those expectations and experiences and beliefs shape your identity today? And how does it affect your relationships, your success, your actions, your self-worth? I don't think we pause enough to recognize that those things have influenced us so much. And I think we know it when we talk about it, but I don't think we reflect on it. And I also No, don't, I don't think we reflect on it right. at all. And I don't think that we consciously choose to take a different action. I have had so many clients that I've worked with who have said that they were told that they were too loud, um, that they were too much, that they needed to speak up more, they were too quiet. There was always 
some kind of label. And look, everyone's labeled in some way. But what they found was that some of these, especially things like the, the too much of, right? Too too loud, too talkative, too pushy, too bossy, too smart, um, you know, too aggressive. Those are the things that really hurt women as we step into, you know, being adults. I'm and- curious, did you feel like you received those labels? Because your mom really in my opinion, is someone who stepped out of the norms in that way herself and really raised you to be vocal. So I'm wondering, did you ever get that pushback from her? Not from her, but okay. from everybody else. Okay. So I, surprise, surprise, I got that I was bossy from everyone. Like, you know, peers when I was young, teachers when I was young. That was that was what I was labeled, was bossy. Hmm. As- from fee- other females? Like, did males ever? I'm curious. I don't remember. I mean, I had female teachers. Right. So. What was your dad's perspective? Like, I don't remember my dad ever saying, you're too much, you're this, you're that. It was always my mom. Yeah, my dad, no, my dad didn't really say much. Of, I, neither of my parents ever said. I always was labeled for too loud. Like, your always. voice was too loud. Always, always. So I was bossy from peers and teachers, and but from everyone that knew me, I was always too loud. Okay. I remember playing a game with my cousin, and I was, and, and, not, not, we weren't playing a game, we were all hanging out, and my cousins, we were all whispering something we were trying to get away with, and I whispered, and they're like, you have to whisper, I am whispering! <laughs> I was just like, you're so loud, and they're all boys, but um, that was that was my thing that I was labeled. What about you? I remember, if like, just off the top of my head, it was always like, watch your tone, hmm. right? So maybe like my tone was a little too aggressive or sharp, and I remember also getting this message in whatever way that was... Kind of like you are mean, kind of, or I don't, I'm trying to remember, like, you know, it's coming back to me in bits and pieces, but the way I took it was that if you have a certain tone or you're too forceful, you won't have any friends, Mm -hmm. like that kind of thing. That's how I interpreted it. And then I also, it was always either my ideas were too much, like you're getting carried away Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And look how that translated to this, because, right. yeah, I guess we are getting a little carried away yeah. as we build an empire, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But So that was always in me. I think that's a positive. Um, the other piece of it, I guess, would be I was quick to anger, and so I feel like I've really tampered that down also. So It's funny because some of those things probably are good, and other things have probably, which I know we've talked about, kept you from being emotional because you felt like you had to keep it together. Right. And And as I've gotten older, you know, I think I was very emotional when I was young. And as I've gotten older, it's gotten to the point where like, no, I feel like I have no emotion. That's not true. I don't have, but I'm just not very emotional. Do you think I I am? I think, I think you are. I think you hide it well. Mm -hmm, And I also mm -hmm. think you you push it down. So I I I know it's there. I think you push it down. I also think that when I think about it, you know, we, our parents were like, don't cry, don't do this, you know, I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. That was that, that was that generation, sure. right? But the reality is nobody knew scientifically why kids are so emotional. It's because our our amygdala, our primal right. part of our brain has not caught up. Our emotions have not caught up to our 
intellectual part of our brain. And so right. the more parents are aware of this, I believe the more, the, the more they will address it very differently than our parents did. And even I did, right? As I right. become more. Exactly. I think that's actually a huge thing, right? Like not having any awareness. Like you think that a three-year-old or even a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old, like Jackie's daughter, should be rational, and you're not at that age because your brain is still. I remember you know, being irrational. Up. Oh my and so god! When I think yeah. back. I'm like, oh my goodness. Of course, I was irrational. Sure. And so I, I totally get it. But as you're listening to this, I I know asking the question about how those messages of your past are coming through to your future can be a little triggering. Absolutely. So I understand that. We I want to acknowledge it. We want to validate those feelings. We also want to have you consider if it, if those messages have hurt your ability to get whatever it is that you want out of life. Yes. It could be personally or professionally, because if it has, if it has held you back subconsciously or unconsciously, I will, we want to encourage you to think about it so that we can start to unpack that and get you to a better place. Right. And so it's just the awareness, right? So it may not be at the top of your mind where you can think, well, there was an instance when so-and-so said blah, blah, blah. But just be aware, the way to kind of start to figure out, well, is there something under the surface that I'm not seeing yet, is awareness maybe of your actions now, yeah. right? So if you find that you are maybe tampering your voice in a meeting, mm-hmm. as an example, Think, think. well, all right, this is an emo- a moment of awareness. I wonder, is there something, you know, that I can connect the dots back to? Yes. Right? So these kinds of things, what are current actions that you take now where you may be like, oh, that might be a clue yes. to what's going on. So, you know, then kind of just being aware of it, just the awareness will start to allow space for some of this stuff to come up more to the surface where you can then consciously unpack. Yeah. And consciously make a different choice. Correct. You know, that's what it is, our our natural set point, whatever that lies is going to stay there unless we change it. That's from right. Our- and it will feel very uncomfortable until your brain catches up, right. right? Because it'll be a very intentional action doing something different and it's going to feel uncomfortable. And as a matter of fact, you may even get pushback, which is very likely. And that, you know, typically you would kind of want to retreat back into that old pattern. Mm. But again, make that your cue that nope, doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Right? And stick your stick to your ground so that you can go toward it, whatever, you know, your goal is. Yeah. I I, I wanna talk a little bit about this good girl syndrome in the sense that I, I'm going to admit that I was a good girl. I was so straight. Well, so let's let's back up. Yes and no, I was a good girl. I was I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school. So I think it's one of the reasons why I had this good girl kind of persona going on. And I was also an only child. I still am an only child, obviously. And it made it hard to not be good because I always felt this, and I've said this before, this pressure to, if I don't, if I don't make my parents proud, there's no backup kid, right? There's no one else for them to hang their hat on. But I also know, and this is what's really interesting, that there were parts of me that weren't so great. Like I was very insecure as a kid and I was very much, I was a little mean as a as a girl, and okay. I mean it from a sense of I remember this is this is like I'm totally being vulnerable here, but I think I was eight or nine, and we were we were walking around Models 
There was a oh, Models. I remember Models. Which is like a, a Target today or a Walmart today. where it has not like as a little, nice, though. Not as nice, but like a yeah. little of everything, right? Yes, yeah. Toys and clothes and all. It, it had everything, similar. yeah. So was that just a Long Island thing, Models? I don't know. Yeah. I don't Isn't know. Is it now a sporting? Or that's That's gone. gone, too. Okay. That's gone, too. Okay. Sorry, tangent. Yes. <laughs> no, but, but I was walking around, and I had an ice cream in my hand. My mom bought me an ice cream. And I remember seeing these two kids, and they were standing there with my ice cream. And I purposely, like... <laughs> Slowly ate my ice cream in front of them, knowing that it was making them upset. And that's a really weird thing that I did. And I don't know why I did that. I might have been younger than I. I might have been five or six. But that's just weird. But anyway. But all in all. That's not weird. That's not weird. So I have a very quick but funny story. So my younger sister's 10 years younger than me. She she passed away. But... When I was 13, my mother picked me up from school because I was sick. And these are the days where the kids could sit in the front, right? Mm -hmm. So my sister was three, and she's in her little seatbelt in between my mom and I. And she's eating animal crackers, like out of that little box. And she's whispering so my I could hear, but my mom can't hear. Too bad you can't have some. Too bad. Too bad. Too bad. Like the whole time. And my sister was a saint. We laugh to this day, like, too bad you can't have some too bad. <laughs> so it, that when you told that story, it just reminds I could see her so clearly, like, just taking one animal cracker at a time. There you too go. Too bad you can't too have some. Too bad you can't. So maybe that's some of yeah. it's normal. Yeah. But but all in all, I was, I was a really good kid, but I was always loud, as I said before. <laughs> always have been loud. My voice, like, my mom used to say when I was a cheerleader that she could t- pick my voice out of the, you know, the 12 girls on the squad because I was so loud. It's just who I am. But I remember always getting in trouble for talking and being loud when I was young. Okay. Um, from the teachers, from the nuns, quiet, you're too loud, you're you're too much, you're, you know, stop laughing. And the boys got away with it. And I remember a, a very specific incident. I was in high school. And one of the boys did something, and made, made, I don't know if they made fun of the teacher, I can't remember exactly, but did something, and we all laughed. It was like four boys around me and me. We all laughed, and, be, and I got pulled out and sent to the principal's office. Not the other boys, but I did. And I was, I was like, why, why am I the only one getting in right, trouble? Right, right. And I remember the teacher was, said, you're, you're, um, you're laughing, you're disruptive. Everyone's one was laughing. laughing, but I got called out and it made me think one, how unfair and unjust like the world is. Right. And secondly, how come the boys were able to laugh right. and I wasn't right. because I was supposed to be the good girl, you know, but it wasn't until I reflected back on scenarios like that, right. that I, that I see that there were two, two sets of rules, one for the boys. Yeah, for the girls. Yeah. Well, there's still often. The, oh, there's still, there definitely still is. I think that. It has gotten a little bit better, but I definitely believe that there's there, – I know that there's still those two. Kind of well, ones. I want to ask you, were your nuns mean? Because I went to Catholic school too, and our nuns were, were mean like and scary. They were scary. I mean, you you know, looking back – and they abused everyone, especially the boys. I mean, you know, they would line them up and smack them and that oh, kind of no, stuff. Oh, no. They yeah. didn't do any hitting in my school Oh, they did it in hours. That, that's not true. One they time – They would humiliate people. Yeah, one time a teacher went off and, and hit somebody and then she got in trouble. It was Sister Robert. Uh, Sister Robert was mean, but she was never mean to me because it was a good – I was a like, – Good kid. I was a good kid. I tried hard. I was I was talkative and disruptive, but I was a good kid. I was respectful. Right. So I never – but I did have – and we had Sister – 
Helen that was lovely, but we had a sister, Eleanor, and she was the one who said that my best friend was going to hell because he, <gasps> he didn't believe in God. So she was mean. Yeah. She was very mean. mean. So we had a few. Yeah, they were, in our school, like, they were, they were kind of, they were mean. And so there was always this fear of this mortal fear of doing something out of line, you know, and it was like nothing tremendous, right? But here's the rub, because in our day, you would get what was called like a pink slip, but then you'd get punished at home. It wasn't like your parents were on your side. Right. Where now I feel it's if the teacher says you did something wrong, and the parents are very often up at school complaining. Yes. Well, and, it's funny because I think that there's... It's, this and is I don't really, have kids, so... Yeah, no, this know. is an interesting topic. I know we're on a tangent, but it is interesting because there are instances where I side with my kid and there are instances I side with the school. And at the beginning of the year, I'm going to share this story. At the beginning of the year, Peyton got detention. And... She got detention. She walked into the bathroom. She was she was meeting up with her friend in the bathroom. She walked into the bathroom and she thought her friend was in there and she heard a television show, somebody playing their like a TV show, I guess on their phone. And it was in Spanish. So mm-hmm. she said, "Who's listening to the Spanish tell who's listening to Spanish television?" And she thought it was her friend. Mm-hmm. And this girl got very upset. And started, like, yelling at Peyton, mind your effing business, how dare you? And Peyton was like, oh. Um, so then her friend, so she was like, come on, come on. And she banged the door to get her friend out because she looked at her feet. And the, all the all the doors reverberated. And the girl came out and started fighting with Peyton, like, in her face, in her face, in her face. And Peyton walked away like she was supposed to. And the girls following her and cursing, yelling at her, cursing at her. And long story short... Peyton got detention. She got detention for saying, are you listening to Spanish? Are you listening to a television show in Spanish? Who's listening? Who's listening to a television show in Spanish? She got detention for saying that. Why? What was the, the reasoning? Because it wasn't, I guess, politically correct. So when they called me to tell me everything that happened, now the other girl got in more trouble because okay. she was cursing at Peyton and all that, right? Okay. But she said Peyton's going to get detention. And I said, I have a question. She said, yeah. I said, was the television show in Spanish? She said, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I was just clarifying. Right. She's like, you know, we need to teach the kids. And I was like, okay, but if it was in English. I said, look, her punishment's her punishment. Right. But I don't agree with it. Right. Because if it was in English, it would have, if she would have said that, it would have been fine. If she would have probably said who's listening to... A TV. German oh, television, oh. it probably wouldn't have been the same thing. Right. And so there's this, there's this sometimes off on the tangent, but sometimes it's a little bit like. So you, well, but it's. To the point of that sometimes going I do go. back, and, yeah, the parents pushing back. And, yeah. you know, I think of the circumstances that happened back there. There are a lot of circumstances where the parents should have pushed back. Mm-hmm. But they were probably also my mom raised. Back. Your mom, see, my parents did my not. Mom always push back. Yeah, I think your mom is an outlier there. She is. Yeah, she is. And she didn't push back if I was wrong. She pushed back when she knew I was, wrong, was right. 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 Very different. But I think you know the parents were just kind of at least my parents. I'm yeah. speaking for my parents. Were kind of like don't make waves, people. So you know that coupled with this real thing, and I have always had anxiety. So you know the things that are the smallest in my mind were probably really blown out of proportion. So I was really always fearful of making any waves. So I just you know 
kept my head down. Now, this is interesting. I mean, I think I've not grown out of it, but I, I have overcome. overcome a lot of it. But this is interesting. A couple of weeks ago, Jackie and I were at a networking event, and this woman literally pushed me out of the way to – I was talking to someone and she pushed, physically pushed me out of the way. And she was little. She was little. Small. And she I'm was, tall. She was like five feet. Right. And I'm like, and, and she was I had, older. And I had heels on. So when yeah. I have heels, like I could be close to six feet sometimes. I'm tall, right? She pushes me out of the way to, to say goodbye to the woman I'm actively having a conversation with. And I didn't say anything. I was like, whatever. Like, you right. know, and Jackie's like, what? You know, and I didn't say, I just said, I can't believe she did that. Right. And to me, it was just like, ah, whatever, you know, but I wonder also if that is just part of the conditioning from the good girl. Right. There's another quick story I want to tell you. When I was in my sister-in-law's bridal party, they, so my, um, this is for John's family, the ages of the sisters-in-law, there's six or seven of us, spam. My sister-in-law, Debbie, and I are the oldest in our fifties. And then the rest of the girls are considerably younger. So Debbie and I were in this wedding together and we were all in a trolley, all the bridesmaids. It was ice cold. We were freezing. And Debbie and I are sitting in the back, shivering, like, not saying anything. When my sister-in-law, Lisa, yells out really loud, hey, trolley guy, (laughs) can you lower the... I laugh to this day. Hey, trolley guy, it just makes me laugh. But, you know, she had no problem saying, hey, I'm cold, you know? Debbie and I, like two dummies huddled in the back trying to keep warm. It was stupid, right? Right. But that's a great example. It's just interesting. You know, Lisa's about 10 years younger than us, and it was just different, you know? And Debbie and I were just like, let's just keep our mouth. And her parents are, were very much like my mom and dad, you know, keep your head down, just don't make waves. And I, it's interesting. It is. That that is. That's fascinating. Hey, Charlie guy. (laughs) Well, my daughter is a hey, Charlie guy kind of girl. She was, you know, she'll. She was always like that. But so let's talk about what it means. Let's move into what does it mean to be a good girl? And it's a question I wanted to pose to all of you as you're listening to this, because we all have like different definitions and experiences about what it says. And when we say good girl syndrome and that epidemic, what are the good girl traits and what are they to you? What does that look like? So I always think of it almost as being like the sacrificial lamb. Yes. My mom was so strong, but boy, oh boy, did, did she and does she still put everyone else's needs before her own and to a fault? And, I could see her being yeah. that way because your mom is such a nurturer. As much as she's strong-willed and will stand her ground, I could see her just bending over backwards for anyone. Yes, really. any, anyone and, and gives them, you know, so we, we talk about that all the time and how she needs to not be so forgiving, but she's, you know, she was definitely conditioned because my parents, my grandparents, her parents separated when my mom was um, nine. And back then nobody separated. Mm. This was, this was back in um, 1951, maybe. And my grandmother went to work and my mom and her two brothers were home. And my mom was the one Mm. in charge of cleaning the house, making dinner. And the boys, the boys went out and did their own thing, you know? And so it was, she was very conditioned to make sure that everyone else was, was taken, taken care, care of. of. But it what has what it has happened is while I love that my mom is giving and selfless and it's wonderful, there's the other side, which is I always use this expression that when someone stabs my mom in the back, she's like, Oh, they just happened to be carrying a knife and they tripped and it <sighs> fell in my back. Because she just wants to she she overcompensates for 
um, wanting to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, being the right, good girl, not right. getting mad, giving, oh, it's okay. They didn't really mean to do that. Right. So that's where she's, she's mama bear will be protective if someone does it to me, but when they do it to her, she's like, well, they didn't really mean it or she'll forgive them. And forgiveness is great, but they'll keep doing it and she'll just keep do, making yeah. excuses. And I think that's part of that good girl syndrome, sure. which is I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah, and I think I that, see that that's happening. fine, but it's also a little bit too extreme. Well, I think also, like my mom, the same way. I remember once I wrote this LinkedIn post about my mom eating the shriveled pork chop, right? So mm-hmm. like we would have family of six, one pork chop would come out like a little shriveled or yeah. burned and my mom would eat it. Yep. And that post got a lot of um, yeah. comments and reaction. People could really understand taking the – being the sacrifice for your yes. family or for others, yes. right? There's so many people could relate to that. Yeah, and I think I think the thing that we want to address, that we want to make sure that doesn't get lost in all this, you know, conversation as we're going on on these different these different threads, is our self worth and our sense of worth can't be relied on by being a good girl. And I think that you know because good then means perfect and then we strive for something that is unattainable and then we never feel satisfied. Right, so it becomes right. this cycle that I really want to, to talk about. You know, one of the ways it really shows up is this fear of disappointing others. And if you feel like you do this, give us a, Hey, yeah, hell yeah. Yes, sure. yes, it's me. Raise your hand, yep. Right. Because we put the pressure on ourselves to be perfect, to be the helper. And if we don't, we're just letting someone else down. And it's horrific for us. And I know I still do this when it comes to my family. When I am tired or when my needs, when I really want my needs to be met, but my my mom, my husband, or my kid ask for something, I am figuring out how I can, how I can, do for them, even if it's not what I want to do. Okay. And then if I don't, I still carry guilt even to this day. And I know I shouldn't, I know, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic that I have with myself and my relationships with my family that, that nurture in me comes out and I just feel like I need to be the one to take care of everything and everything. Yeah. Well, you're a super nurturer in the first place and you're an outstanding mom and wife. Oh, thank you. And you're, and that's why you're such a great business partner. Oh, thanks. Right? Because you're always taking care of me. Now, I'm going to call you out on something, though. Yeah. And this has got to do with the airport. <laughs> so Jackie gets so frustrated with me because she doesn't like the way I navigate through the airport because she doesn't think it's efficient, essentially. Well, no, that's not what it is. No. Well, what I is it? Do you like, think that you think I can? Because I, I want. I, like, I have flown to Europe by myself. By myself, I know you so, can. So I, I can. I think. So, what is it that you feel like? I that, think it's not, <laughs> that I'm not capable. She feel. I feel like I have why, to take care of her. Yes. Yes. And the reason why is because I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what I think it is. I'm going to psychoanalyze this whole situation. Okay, and we're doing it live. We're doing it live. So here's I'm kind of putting her on the spot a little is. bit. Here's what I think it is. So Mimi is one of four. The oldest. Mm-hmm. She lost two siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, she has always had. She she is you know one of the oldest in all of the the um, the in laws. Right. Yes. So there has been always this thing that Mimi is the one who takes care of shit. Yes. Get shit done. Yes. She takes yes. care yes. of it. Yeah. 
And I believe truly I'm the one place where she doesn't have to. Yes. And so she it's almost true. reverts, and I'm mm-hmm. not in a bad way, oh, we yeah. joke about it, but she yep. reverts to my 14-year-old daughter, where she could do yeah. it herself, but would prefer to rely on me. Uh-huh. Where's my ticket? Where's the gate? Where <laughs> should I go? Do I have to go to the bathroom? Do I have time to go to the bathroom? And so that's what it is. And I, and yeah. I actually, it's, you know, we joke, I'm sorry, I just want to finish this thought. Mm-hmm. We joke about it, but I feel very honored that Mimi allows me to take the lead in those situations. Situations because I know it's not her comfortable place. No, but it's also a relief for her to not have to be the one to plan the the, the last time we traveled. I did the itinerary, the itinerary, and she was. It was like a relief for her. Yeah. And so that's. So I know that while she likes to do it and be organized, it is a relief when someone does it for it, her. It, you psychoanalyze that perfectly, and it's kind of like. The collision of these two factors for the two of us, Jackie mm-hmm. just being a great nurturer and me just being like, ah, oh, like yes. I could be like a 14 year old. Now it's interesting. Um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but my husband always says I have no common sense and I don't really think that's true. Do you think that's true? I don't think you don't have common sense at all. Actually, I do or I don't. You do have common sense. I, think I, I don't think you sense. don't have it. Well, what I do think, why it might come off this way, mm-hmm. psychoanalyzing mm-hmm. number two in this episode. And so John says, I act like an eight-year-old. Okay. No, I'll tell you why. Okay. Mimi is very buttoned up. Mm-hmm. Mimi is very planned. Mm-hmm. Mimi has everything, everything already figured out four steps ahead. She, I do. So, so why it may appear that she doesn't have common sense is because in the moment, <laughs> thinking on her feet I'm is terrible. uncomfortable. It's not that you're terrible. She doesn't trust herself. And yeah, it's not comfortable. For yeah, you. yeah. And when yes, you trust, because I feel like I always have to plan everything, right, and, and then I trust myself. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So Ooh, if this you, is a great episode. But if, <laughs> but if you if you leaned into it and trusted yourself, you wouldn't. You that that wouldn't happen. And yeah. then you, so then it shows up as not having common sense mm-hmm. because I'll say to you. You're going to the bathroom now when they're about to call. Right. Right. The, the boarding instead of. Right. But, but because you're like, I didn't plan on when I was going to go to the bathroom. Like seriously, it's down to that. <laughs> well, or, it makes me think. Well, she has like, a new bag and because she has a new bag, she doesn't, she, she can never find her stuff like a, her passport or her ticket or mm-hmm. her phone because she doesn't have the same bag with the same compartments every time. Correct. And so it's just, it truly is about trusting herself yeah. and believing that she can be on the spot and in the moment and tangent continues as we are, Mimi and I are more in market in live events. Mm. She has to trust herself. Mm-hmm. She can't plan conversations no. with strangers. And what is interesting is I believe that this is going to be collecting the evidence for her to be able to trust herself in lots of other ways. Well, I think, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, this is, today. yeah, well, I'll, and I want to just kind of, and I'm going to turn it back to everyone here listening, right? So you have heard me repeatedly talk about I'm an introvert, I'm shy, I like, and I do love to be by myself. I really do. But lately, Jackie and I have been going to lots of networking events. And I got to tell you, I'm having a blast. We're laughing. We're, We're laughing. Last night, I went to one by myself. Yes. I'm like, you are missing out. I, I know. So bummed that client. But <laughs> yes. I couldn't. I, well, I never canceled a client. No, no. Yeah. So it was great. So I'm having a good time. So this is evidence, right, where you feel like, oh, I can't do that. Or this is not my thing. Or I'm really this. You may not be. Yeah, you may not be. And it's also interesting, this good girl syndrome, I'm going to kind of take it back to, back for a second to the business side. 
we as women need to be comfortable asking for what we want and asking for how we can do business with people, you know, whatever that looks like. And often it's like, oh, it's a relationship. Yes, it's a relationship and we're building relationships, but it's okay to say, this is what we do. Does your organization have a need for this? And right. that's the next level of that's that's not not being a good girl. But I think a lot of times we confuse that. So I just wanted to wanted to right. Share well, that. it falls into like oh, I have to be polite. Yes, I have to right. be polite. There's like certain you know there are certain ground rules for ground right. rules. So you know one of the other things I want to touch on is this this inauthentic or in being inauthentic because the pressure to be good can lead to us as women really suppressing our authentic selves. Can we show up as almost replicas of what people want us to be and what they expect of us? And then we lose ourselves in that. And our own desires are minimized and our ambitions are squashed. And I want to say you need to decide and like, what is it that I want? And I am going to do and go after that without thinking about how that's going to affect anybody else. And to that point of us building this empire, I know building this empire is going to take a toll on my family. And it has taken me a lot of work to come to the comfort level of saying it's going to be okay. They can figure it out. They can figure it out. The other thing is also sometimes that makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? So you say to someone, oh, what do you do? We're building an empire. Like, who do you guys think you are? Right. Right? Or, you know, right. Why shouldn't Jackie should just take care of her kids and not be, you know. So ambitious. So ambitious Mm -hmm. and all this kind of thing. Right? And it's really leaning into knowing that, like, we're probably judged by some people that that we want that. The other thing is, I think this need to be the the best parent, the best, you know, friends, the best this, that, the other thing, leads us very often to a place where we're giving, giving, giving to everyone else. And then, like, we look up and we're in this place and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Right? And it's, you know, it's just like, I feel like life chips away at you so much that you become like a statue and you don't yeah. even have a fig leaf anymore. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah that's exactly <laughs> right. So, so, you know, some of the other things that happen when we have this good girl syndrome and it becomes an epidemic is we have limited career opportunities because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to raise our hand. We don't want to make people uncomfortable. We don't want to negotiate. And that, that's been holding us back. The other thing is we give success away. So I had a a client of mine when I used to work at AdAge who ran a tremendously large um, marketing company for a big company. And she was always giving away accolades to her team. And interestingly, I had had a meeting scheduled with her and I walk in and she's not there. And this other woman, her boss is in the meeting. And I said, oh, what happened to, I'll call her Allison. What happened to Allison? And she said, oh, well, we got, you know, we, um, we eliminated her position. So we went through the whole meeting with her team and afterwards she's walking me out. I said, oh, I'm really sad to see that. She said, I tried to fight for her, but all she, she kept talking about everything her team had done and my boss and the CEO couldn't see what she had done. And so she ended up talking herself right out of a job because oh, they, is- they couldn't see the value in her very big um, salary. So you have to be really careful about that. And that really goes hand in hand with not self-promoting, yes. right? So this has got lots of different layers to it, but there's a piece of it where we don't want to be seen as bragging, mm-hmm. right? The other piece of it is sometimes you don't want to make others feel bad. My best friend, I remember once, and I, I've shared this on the podcast before, she got a 4.0 like in graduate school in a hard program. And, and the her 
her mother's response was like, well, let's not make a big deal out of this because we don't want to make your brothers feel bad. Really? Right. You know, I remember I got a scholarship, an academic scholarship, but it was a partial scholarship. And I was telling my grandparents and my mother made sure to tell them it was just a partial scholarship. Like, you know, because you don't want to make it sound like it's more than you are. Right. And, you know, recently I did something that I was proud of. So I reached out to someone I haven't seen in a long time and asked for business pretty much. And I was really proud of myself for that for that move, for that com- for the way I handled the conversation, all this stuff. And later on that week, I was having drinks with a friend and, you know, we're talking about business, how are things going? And I had told him, like, you know, this is what I recently did. And I said, you know, what? I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. And I was proud of myself for saying, and I'm proud of myself for doing it right. because it was something that was a little ballsy, mm-hmm. I guess. And I'm glad I did it. Yeah. So it's important to really be patting yourself on the back and... Also, you know, a lot of times we we do talks on how to self-promote. This is something that we, we do workshops on pretty often. These are ways to start doing it. It is not being braggy or throwing colleagues under the bus or anything like that. You have to stand up for things that you have Done. You've achieved. Yeah. And and let everybody know because nobody's really paying attention to right. you. Nobody knows what right. you do on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, one of the things that it really hurts is how many of you listening have stayed in a situation or a circumstance longer than made you happy because you knew changing would hurt someone else? I, I can hear you all screaming through the podcast, <laughs> even though this is a one-way medium. I can hear you all doing that. It is so common. It, you could stay at your job. You could stay in a friendship. You could stay in a relationship. You can stay with, you know, can even connected to siblings or parents that are, that are toxic, right? We, we right. do these things because we don't want to hurt other people or because we, we feel like we want to we want to protect their feelings, but yet it's it's killing us on the inside. So you can be faking it on the outside, but if you are dying on the inside, what is the point? Right. Well, it you goes know? back to being inauthentic. Yes. Right? Right? I remember once I had a boss whom I loved, and she was going through a really tough time. But at the same time, I was thinking about weaving because mm-hmm. I wanted to make more money, and that's really the best way to make money. And I remember thinking... That was very much in my mind. Like, I can't leave right now right. because she's struggling in the department. You know, I, I really stepped into that leadership role. And speaking of leadership, another mistake I would make is very often I would take the burden of the work on. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't want the others to have to feel, stay all night or, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. And I don't think that's a good leadership tactic, yeah. actually. It's, the, it's right? actually a terrible leadership yeah. tactic because yeah. it's not... It's it's all about delegating and giving other people autonomy and, and right. the ability to to do the work and, Correct. and all of that. Yeah. Um, you no, know, and then the last thing I just want to touch on is is we a lot of times this good girl syndrome leads to us wanting and needing external validation. So we just end up relying on how others see us, and they and then we then say that's how I'm I, that's how worthy I am based on how other people see us and. It is really about internal validation, right? And what doing for others, being good, quote unquote, and it's not even about being kind um, or being nice. I, I sometimes worry about those or respect. It's just, can we just be polite? Right. Just be polite, but be yourself. Right. Right. So it's the same thing we talk about leaders and leadership style. People are authentically themselves. 
but they still have to change their leadership style based on the needs of the business or the person. Yes. But you could do that authentically. Yes. You know, but if you are a bully and you think you're going to continue being a bully, that's not okay. Right. So there's a little bit of, you know, you have to, we all have to adjust, but we want to make sure that adjustment works for everyone, not just the other person, which women tend to do. They make sure it works. Right. Right. Make make sure everyone else is comfortable. Yeah. And then we'll, you know, see if we can figure out retrofit (laughs) what we need into that. So I am a good girl, and I want to be bad. I want to be bad. Yes. So Who wants to be bad with us? I do. So let's just re- redefine that good girl, right? Throw away all of those definitions of what it means to be a good girl and restate what that looks like. Let's create a new mission statement of how you want to show up for your life. Write it out and put it on, at, like, on a piece of paper. If you find yourself constantly being the yes girl, constantly saying you're sorry, if you're one of those women who say you're sorry and you don't do anything wrong and you just, I'm sorry, um, really think about that. And what is it you want to show up? Because if you can reframe your thoughts, you can stop stop morphing and molding yourself into what other people want or what you think is expected of you as a good girl. Because I have to tell you, bad girls are pretty awesome. Yeah, we're not talking about mean girls. We're talking about bad girls. And bad girls are usually the ones that are a little edgy. Yeah, you can be edgy. It's bold. It's right. be bold. Be, right. you know, be, it's okay to put ourselves first. Yeah. It's okay to put ourselves first. And yeah. it's okay not to think about everybody else with every decision we make. And I'm right. not saying you become a narcissist, right? There's a big difference. But there's a spectrum. And I think if there was a... The good girl syndrome is the is the opposite spectrum of a narcissist. And it is just as detrimental to you and to everyone around you. Right. Because you're showing up in ways that really isn't helping anyone. You know, I'm going to even one-up this whole idea of this mission statement. You know, this is like my cup of tea. But, um, you know, you really want to use it as your North Star. But really think about, when you think about this mission statement and how you want your life to be, you have to think about how you have to show up differently. And what's the gap between where you are now and who you have to be to execute on that mission, Mm -hmm. essentially? And think about it on a regular basis. I do this every morning when I journal. I'm like, okay, what do I got on deck today? Like the other day when I went to this networking event by myself, I was like, all right, I really don't want to go by myself. I really prefer Jackie to be there with me. But this is a great opportunity to step into the person I need to be to create an empire. Yep. Right. And so then now I switch the whole thing like, oh, this is this is an opportunity. This is fun. Like, uh, you know, I get an opportunity to take more one more step closer to where I want to go. It really changed the perspective and made me feel more aligned with what I want. Yeah. And so just remember that just by being you're not not good. Right. We're all good people. It's just about making choices that are good for everyone, not just. Yeah. And I I just want to add also just beware you know, of the people that will, these things are going to come out of the woodwork that will try to keep you in that good girl container, whether it be people, circumstances, someone makes an off comment, and you be careful not to take it as evidence that you should stay in that small shell, right? Because in the beginning, it's really going to take a lot of your energy and effort and awareness to break through the discomfort. And it could be very easy to be like, you know, it's not worth it. But it is worth it. And the more you do it, the more now it becomes the norm. You know, I think back when I started my business five, six years ago, before even Jackie, the things I do now, I would have been terrified to do. 
Right. And now I don't even bat an eye, yeah. right? It's just who I am. There's, and we are changing as humans. And we yeah. need to change into who we want. And so, you know, the reason why we thought this episode was important to do for you as you're listening and we're getting to the end of this is because we believe that this this good girl is, is an epidemic just like COVID, right? Yeah. And it spreads and then it becomes something that, keeps us stuck and keeps us from getting to what we want. And we don't want this to be an epidemic anymore, especially for Generation X women. So remember to shift that perspective, to go out, to do something bold. You're not too much. You're not too loud. You're not too anything. Just just love yourself. And if you want more inspiration, we encourage you to go to our website, moderngenxwoman.com, and download Gen Next, which is our magazine for you. And we go through lots of digital magazine. It's fabulous. We talk about everything from menopause to fashion to work relationships. to relationships and everything Dating. in between. Yes. All that stuff. It's great. It is great. All right, ladies, until next time. Cheers to your magnificence. Modern Gen X Woman is the podcast created with you in mind. If you're inspired by this episode, please leave us a review. It's so important. Look, we know it's not easy for you to stop and go over and leave a review, but it is so appreciated by Mimi and myself, and it really helps other amazing Gen X women like you find us so that they too can become the modern Gen X woman.